Welcome to Off Limits, the New Indians platform where we try to seek answers for the questions that live in grey zone, that are off limits from the dominant public discourse. Today we have with us Acharya Prashant. I am not going to introduce the subject to our audience because we must seek answers, the whole idea of off limits. Namaskar. But do we all realize that we are conscious people? When you talk about consciousness, when you talk about a person who is trying to sanitize others about themselves and trying to find answers through that seeking of truth. My question is, do we all of us, are we cognizant that we are conscious beings and what does it really mean to be conscious? See, to be conscious means to have choices, hmm? to realize that you are not bound or conditioned to move in one particular way as randomly determined by the material forces of existence that you have volition, that you have a say, that you have an agency, which is choice. So that's consciousness. We all definitely think we are conscious. It's just that there is real consciousness only when there is real choice which can happen only in real freedom. Um, unfortunately, most of our choices are uh, not uh, made in freedom. So even though <coughs> apparently there uh, are choices and a choosing agency, yet uh, there is no real free consciousness. So, we all live in uh, apparently free, but actually uh, very caged, constrained consciousnesses. Are animals conscious? In the sense that human beings must be. Animals cannot uh, really be called conscious, but in their own dimension, animals are conscious. You see, it behoves an animal to operate purely by its prakritic algorithm, right? So the consciousness that an animal exhibits is again very algorithm driven. So, for example, you would call an animal conscious if it's breathing and moving and blinking, hearing, trying for food, you'll say it's conscious. Now, that parameter to determine consciousness is uh, alright when it comes to animals. Because there the very definition, the very paradigm is different. Huh? So, if an animal is going by its prakritic nature, which is its biological nature, its physical nature, 
it passes to call it conscious. But the same cannot be said in the case of human beings. An animal breathing, eating, running is indeed conscious. But a human being cannot be called conscious just because she eats, drinks, breathes or even thinks. The parameter in case of humans is choice, free choice. Is the person exercising choice? Animals are not even supposed to exercise choice, right? Uh, look at birds. The sun sets and they retire to their nests. They are not supposed to exercise choice there, right? It's, it's algorithm driven, it's automatic. No sun, no sky. I have to be in my nest. The lion is constrained by its body to be a flesh eater. The lion cannot say, I won't kill. Same goes for all animals. Then the mating season comes and they will mate. And if the mating season is not there, they will not mate. And all that is very well within the domain of their conscious behavior. If they are doing all this, we will say, oh, they are conscious animals. But human beings have to exceed their physicality, their materiality, their biology, which is prakriti in Vedantic terms. So the definition takes a different spin when it comes to human beings. An animal is conscious if it's following its physical mandate, physical algorithm. And a human being can be called conscious only if she is exceeding her physical mandate. A human being limiting herself to her physical mandate must surely be called unconscious. Even though uh, as, a, as an organism, organism, she will exhibit all the, um, uh, all the classical attributes of consciousness, right? So the body will move and all those things will happen. But still, the learned ones have told us that uh, just because you are uh, eating, breathing, walking, you cannot be called as living. Hmm? And that applies only to human beings. You see, we are special. So <laughs> the benchmarks for us are higher. Uh, we are conscious only if we are free. And if we have no love for freedom, then we aren't conscious three conscious choices that you made and you regret them? No, one cannot uh, regret conscious choices. One can regret only the stuff one makes in unconsciousness. So uh, the question uh, is uh, a contradiction within itself, right? Consciousness is when you exceed both exaltation and regret. So you, what I said, you are conscious when you have gone beyond your physical mandate, which is also your mental mandate. So anything done in consciousness is beyond the scope of reward or punishment, regret, despair or happiness, no. 
So three unconscious choices <laughs> that you made and you regret them. Who is this Acharya Prashant and did he make mistakes in life? Did he make unconscious mistakes now in life? Now we have a problem of plenty. I'll have a tough time picking up the uh, three mistakes I can call as my top ones. You see one makes them daily. One makes them daily. So I should have uh, given uh, higher weightage uh, to my own personal reading time. That's the first thing that I regret. I used to be a voracious reader. But since the last uh, few years, uh, with the work of the foundation spiraling up, it has eaten into uh, my reading and reflection time. So that's one thing that I regret. But I think I'm on course uh, to making amends. Um, I'm trying to be more disciplined. Hmm? So that I can dedicate at least two, three, four hours to my reading. That's one thing. Um, it should have been clearer in distinguishing between uh, emotion and virtue. So the line gets blurred there often, right? So love for truth is one thing while sentimentality is another thing. So should have been tougher in dealing with uh, many things. Um, the third thing is probably the body. Uh, I neglected the body for uh, for long for the same reason as I neglected my reading uh, with uh, the load of work mounting mm, my but would you call this unconscious choice yeah of course of course see only that which is unconscious can be regretted mm? so so you are you saying people don't make bad choices consciously? Of course. A bad choice has to be an unconscious choice. These two... It can't be a conscious choice for anybody in the world. Only unconsciousness is bad. In consciousness, whatsoever is done is all right. So are we saying that criminals in the world are unconscious? Obviously. Unconsciousness is the mother crime. And therefore, the line between good and bad gets blurred only because there are people who are unconscious. Obviously. Or you could redefine good as meaning consciousness and bad as meaning unconsciousness. Huh? 
good and bad cannot uh, be moral distinctions they have to be uh, distinctions based on on the quality of your consciousness so how do we then make sense of good and bad in the world to make sense of good and bad the one making sense has to be very conscious otherwise if i if if i do not see if i do not realize then the only way i can label something as good is by matching it against some preset criteria or pattern hmm? so for example i might have been traditionally told that uh, if he is seen as offering a glass of water to the person standing next to him or if he see as offering his seat to the person standing next to him then he is a good chap and uh, that criteria exists already here the moment i see behavior matching that criteria i'll say oh good fellow or a good display of behavior now nothing has really been known in this instant only a process of match making has happened so i have an image and the moment i see something matching that image i call it good equally i might have been told that somebody frowning at someone is bad or uh, somebody displaying anger or so many things you know we we talk of them as uh, bad things so these are bad things so i'll see somebody doing that i'll say oh bad so bad but, but all that is uh, just just blind guesswork don't you think it has anything to do with your upbringing as children your parenting your society your environment the entire role of uh, parenting and education has to be to awaken and uplift the consciousness in the child right we are born uh, deeply unconscious the human baby is not too different uh, from the kids of uh, any other species so that's the reason why we need uh, so much education and the proper purpose of education is awakening of consciousness however that can be done only if the parents or the educators are themselves conscious people otherwise in the name of educating the kid we end up burdening and conditioning the kid even more so yes you are right a lot of that has to do with the way we are brought up and uh, that's why i strongly say that uh, education is the most important function that uh, a person a family a society a state has to perform uh, taking care of uh, education of the young ones who awakened your consciousness apart from your parents see it it spirals it's a uh, it's a kind of uh, reactive process one thing happens then another thing happens and as a result something else happens so there there are 
there are reactions there are responses there are there are dialectics and uh, you move from one thing to other but uh, you see every kid ultimately returns to home right in the evening there is the school there is the playground where the friends there is so much but you return to the home. so the home remains a constant in the life of the kid and uh, in my house uh, i was lucky to have uh, books and the more i think of what is it that uh, ignited and kept on feeding fuel into the fire it was those books um plus my father would uh, keep bringing books to me so he was the supplier of the fuel and uh, i love to read so um, yeah that was it so wouldn't you then acknowledge that humans human species have been on that path of inquiry for maybe 5000 years ever since the civilization came into existence where because of inquiry we discovered many things in this world we discovered the idea of cosmos the idea of consciousness maybe 10000 years ago there weren't there wasn't any human who thought along these lines given what the literature is what the evidence is it seems that the human species has been on the path of inquiry wouldn't you say that there is a process of awakening process of becoming conscious you see, you see consciousness is something that every new kid has to explore freshly for herself right the fruits of consciousness are uh, very unlike the fruits of science in science one person can know and transfer the knowledge to another person right whereas in the domain of consciousness every person has to work for herself and a choice has to made be made afresh not only can you not take much from what has happened historically you also cannot take much from what has happened in your own past you might have had you might have made uh, great choices in your own past but still life will ask fresh questions of you this moment so consciousness is a continuous real time exercise so we cannot say that mankind has been on an upward journey of consciousness since the last 5000 years no that cannot be said yes there have been individuals who have displayed wisdom consciousness the urge to know but mankind as a whole has been uh, pretty much uh, stagnant 
right? Uh, in fact, what has happened is that uh, because of growth of science and the benefits of technology, the need to go inwards has actually reduced in modern times. Because it is often suffering that makes you look at yourself and question yourself. But uh, the material aspects of suffering have largely been taken care of. Hmm? And uh, that is because of uh, advancement in, uh, in education, in knowledge, in science, in economics. So, 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 <clears throat> so are you saying that science or human inquiry or human search for truth in their own way is a stumbling block in the path of consciousness? It is the means, not a stumbling block. It is the means. Stumbling block in the sense that if you do not uh, deploy this means, then you will reach nowhere. You cannot read the answers provided by someone else and quickly elevate your consciousness. No, that cannot happen. On the other hand, when it comes to science, you can very well hold a mobile phone developed by someone else and use it. Use it and, and, and it will be useful. Nobody knows how exactly a mobile phone functions, right? But it does function for everybody. The same thing does not apply to the inner world. There, everybody has to work on himself. Heritage is useful only to a very limited extent. But why does everyone need to follow this path? Where's the need? How would you feel if this question is not answered? That's the need. Just as one needs her questions to be answered, similarly one needs consciousness to be elevated. Please understand, animals do not have too many questions. We have questions. Why do we have questions? Because we have consciousness that experiences lack of fulfillment. From this urge to be fulfilled arise our questions, right? Think, if, if, if you have a question and it doesn't get answered, how do you feel? You feel restless. Restless and frustrated, right? And that's the nature of unfulfilled consciousness. It cannot be at rest. And that's why inquiring is not only important, but actually mandatory. If you do not inquire, you will remain restless within. It's, it's another matter. No. That, 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 that we adjust with our restlessness. That we come to terms with our restlessness. We say, fine, we are restless and that is probably the normal state. And that's a very unfortunate thing to say. Well, let me uh, look at this whole issue from somebody who gets up in the morning, goes to his farm, does farming all day, brings food on the table for his children and his family. Do you think this man's life, where he's in a way carrying the same boulder, the same rock, what we uh, um, call as... Uh, the uh, myth of Sisyphus. <clears throat> and 
in this process, where does he have the time or where does he have even the urge to know and inquire beyond what he is doing every day? Why is he doing what he is doing every day? Survival. Why does he need to even survive? That's a legitimate question. No? Because there is biological mandate. No, the biological mandate says continue living. Mm-hmm. And there is another mandate that says live only if. And that's the reason why people have laid down their lives very consciously. So, are you saying that if poor people who have to earn their bread, if they start thinking on these lines, they might end up committing suicide? Or they might end up becoming one of the fabled, uh, the several fabled saints we have had. So many of them came from very poor backgrounds. You see, you are restless. And that torments you no end. One of the options obviously is suicide. The other option is to heal your restlessness, right? Why do we discount that? Maybe everybody does that in their private space every morning, every evening. Or maybe people do it while going to temples or going to mosques. There has to be greater sincerity. If people were actually doing that with any bit of sincerity, the fruits would be evident. We won't have uh, an epidemic of mental disease. We won't have so many wars. We, we won't have such greatly unhealthy relationships. Uh, we won't have one person exploiting the other. We won't have, most of all, the, the earth in such a catastrophic state. Look at climate change, look at the extinction of species. So all that is testimony uh, to the fact that we aren't looking at our lives. Aren't you passing a moral judgment on how this world should be? Our relationships should be perfect. We should be happy. There should be love all around. There should be no wars. There should be food for everyone. Why does life have to be a utopia? Life does not have to be a utopia. But if I leave you in a war zone, you'll want to get out of it. I'm talking of the natural urge of consciousness to be at peace. I'm not talking of a state coming from an idea. Utopia is an idea of the mind. I'm talking of the fundamental need of the mind. These two are different things. Even if I do not ideate, there is a need to be sane. Sanity is not an idea. Sanity is the fundamental requirement to be alive. Otherwise, why am I living at all? So, you are saying war is not the need of the mind? What do you think? War is needed? No. Well, some would argue, for example, that um, humans are complex, there is love, there is hatred, there is war, there is peace, and all of it makes us human. All of it is natural. It's natural to to this cosmos, to this world. What to this is natural nature. is animalistic. We just talked of that. What is nature? Huh? So what is natural is coming from the body. Unfortunately, even if we try to, 
we cannot remain creatures of the body. I would have been very glad had we been like animals, satisfied with just food, drink and sex. But that's not the way we are. Now what to do? That's the human condition. You cannot be satisfied with fulfilling just what is natural. As a human being, you need to go beyond the natural, which is beyond the physical, material, biological. But who defines this? Why should, why should I <laughs> accept it as? Your, your, your question defines that. No animal asks this question. No animal ever has a burning curiosity. We have those curiosities, right? And that proves we are different from animals. No animal would ever say, I want to be liberated, but we want to be liberated. We do not merely want even answers. We want solutions. We want a state where questions are not just answered, questions are dissolved, questions disappear. No animal asks for that kind of a state. So since we are curious, and since there is this urge of consciousness, higher consciousness, isn't it human to, what you said, we are more disgraceful than animals. We don't go by just the biological mandate. We, in a way, also oppose it. We have destroyed the earth. We have ruined many aspects of this life. But at the same time, since we are inquisitive, don't you think it's natural for all of us to make mistakes, to make horrendous mistakes along this path? It's beautiful to make mistakes. It's beautiful to make mistakes, but it's not beautiful to settle down. Human beings settle down at the wrong places. You haven't places. settled down. Human beings in general, they settle down. They settle down and then even the opportunity to make mistakes is uh, forsaken. So, so that's what, if you are uh, constantly um, trying, exploring, experimenting, and then you make mistakes, it's so beautiful. Let there be only mistakes, even that is graceful. But are we even making mistakes? No, we are not making mistakes. We have settled down at the wrong place and we are operating from there and we are stubbornly squatting there and killing ourselves and everybody else. Is this because uh, humans went on the path of science and technology and tried to make their lives more convenient? Is it because no. there, there is this strong urge to make life convenient? Life being convenient is all right. Right? We are sitting here, it's all right. If, uh, if there is uh, climate control, if the chairs feel not uncomfortable, all that is okay. Uh, it's just that primarily we have to live within ourselves. Science is useful in giving us a conducive outer environment. But you don't live outside of yourself, you live within yourself. And that's a place science cannot enter. So the problem is not that we started leaning too much towards science. The problem is that self-knowledge got very little space in our education system, actually zero place. So that's where we went wrong. 
the day somebody decided that we don't need to to teach our kids uh, who am i so everything became externally oriented so you were you were talk about taught about the continents the languages the polities equipments geography everything but you were never encouraged to go into your own mind and question your own identity and that's that's what has gone wrong with human beings but then i see lot of spiritual movements i see lot of spiritual leaders i see people in millions seeking answers through these gurus uh, through you through uh, psychiatrists as well through teachers through leaders through politicians through scientists there seems to be an urge there seems to be that curiosity to know who we are but then are you then actually putting the onus on the leaders of the world or on the system of the world where we all seem to have gone haywire you see when you go to a spiritual leader how often do you find him exploring nothing but the i in the name of spirituality we talk of everything except the thing that matters the self right so yes people are rushing to spiritual leaders and all that but what are they getting there if you read most of the books that uh, go by the name of wisdom literature what do you find you find all kinds of metaphysical crap where is the question koham who am i huh? so that 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 one thing that deserves to be gone into explored that remains neglected so yes people have this feeling at least sometimes they are forced to acknowledge that they are restless and that money's or external endeavor will not provide them with rest so they do rush to religious people or uh, spiritual leaders but what do they get there what do they get there huh? so all that is not uh, going to be any good so do you think that if people each individual starts asking himself or herself the question who am i they will eventually come to a state of peace a state of this you know not adjusting with restlessness do you think man and woman uh, parents and children nowadays we have we have relationships breaking down societies are breaking down and uh, you seem to suggest that if we all begin to ask who am i we might have a more cohesive society yes i'm saying that but there is a catch all i'm saying is ask who am i there is somebody sitting within us who will come up with an answer so the question who am i will get answered and that kills the question hmm? the way we are we cannot live without conclusions it feels very embarrassing 
to just have a question hanging within who am i so sooner than later we are compelled to settle that question with an answer i said no we are beings who love to settle down so we settle down this question as well then you require an agency or an environment or a book or a person who can destroy the answers you have provided to this question otherwise the question will come but the question will be defeated you need someone who can defeat the answer the sham answer the fake answer obviously that defeats that legitimate question so in a way you are saying human condition is what it is and it is inevitable for all of us to fall in this rabbit hole had i been that hopeless we wouldn't have been talking here <laughs> so it's not that uh, it's inevitable strictly it's just that uh, it is prudent to have a factual assessment of your condition otherwise uh, one can entertain himself in a fool's paradise and say it's easy well it's not easy it's difficult and we are uh, living in very very miserable times and i'm not saying that as a subjective perception that's the fact of this planet if you if you look at uh, what we have entered into it's the it's it's a mass extinction phase it's a sixth mass extinction that we are all already into it's just that uh, we want to continue living in that uh, imaginary paradise so the media does not want to talk of it the leaders won't take this up and you don't find this uh, being discussed uh, anywhere um uh, but then uh, the possibility is always there irrespective of how bad one's condition is one always has a choice and that's consciousness so even if we are down in the dumps the choice is still available and uh, my mission is to is to encourage people to exercise that choice but was there a moment do you remember recall an epiphany a moment where you felt something awakened in you there were many moments and i am uh, give us two or three examples or share with us what what those moments were so there was this almira containing the books and it stood next to a big sofa set and between the almira and the sofa was a little space that could at most accommodate only a kid so it was one of the cold months probably not too cold maybe november maybe february and uh, i was found asleep there late in the night and uh, <clears throat> the arm of the sofa would have been this high as it typically is and i was squatting by the sofa so i was not even visible right as a kid when you squat i mean yeah. this is the height that you take so i was not even visible and uh, i had fallen asleep there 
and the book in my hand was the wonder that was india by basham and uh, i was reading it reading it and i was never someone who was reading from cover to cover because it was not an academic requirement i was reading for myself so i would randomly pick up a book open some chapter sometimes randomly sometimes out of choice how old were you that was fourth nine nine years of age nine years of age and uh, when i woke up uh i was quite serious serious in, in the sense that uh you know the typical childishness uh that was not there for uh, for an hour at least and it was not uh, not an epiphanic moment or something it was not a spiritual book i was reading it was history it was history so 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 that's one that i remember then <clears throat> uh i was put to bed and there i remained awake for another uh, half an hour or something and i was just staring at the ceiling and then i fell asleep so nothing too remarkable in this i don't have uh, uh, extraordinary moments to recall but since you insisted this is one that uh, comes to me maybe if i think more i'll 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 have a few more uh but uh, i was there is there is a sequence of uh, several happenings and they were happening on a daily weekly basis you come across a sentence you try to make sense of it you try to relate it to something else you have read uh, in a totally different context you can't make sense of it you go to your father and he gives you a reply that you take time to absorb and then you process it and then you keep reading reading 